Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for, all, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, good morning, you wonderful people. It is so good to be together. And it is the 1st of October, can you believe it? So it is the season of mellow fruitfulness. And apparently there is a smell of autumn that is, we're hardwired, that it really does good to our souls. So I hope we breathe in autumn. Well, it was green week. Oh, sorry, I'm going to pray now. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are God and you are King. And we pray, Lord, that you would come in your authority. And Lord, would your Holy Spirit touch each of our hearts. Lord, open our minds and our hearts to your word and your truth, Lord. And will you change us by it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, it was Green Week, and we had quite an interesting evening here. On Wednesday, we had Caroline Pomeroy from Climate Stewards, and she was telling us how to measure, reduce, and offset our, our carbon footprint. And after a while, a man stood up and started refuting this premise that climate change was man-made. He just thought it was a conspiracy theory. And I have to say, Simon did a really good job in just calming the situation down. But who do you believe? Who is the best authority to listen to? And once we have decided maybe that we think the science is authoritative, are we going to take any action and change our lifestyles? Because there is a bit of a pushback going on in politics at the moment, isn't there? 
But what do we think about what Jesus says in, in the Bible? Do we accept his authority about what he says? And maybe when he affirms what we already think, we're happy to go along with him. But what if he says something that crosses our bows a bit? What do we do then? Well, do keep your Bibles open at Matthew 21. This passage takes place after Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and he's created quite a stir, especially when he enters the temple courts and he's turned over the tables of the money changers. And in verse 13, Jesus quotes scripture, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So Jesus is exercising his authority. And just a word about what Matthew is saying in his gospel. Jesus is king and he reigns over his people. He has royal authority and he's bringing the kingdom of God here. So the biblical drama is about who rules the world. We're meant to rule on God's behalf but we have remade the world to suit ourselves. And these religious leaders think they're in charge. It's rather like a hostile takeover. God in Jesus is coming to reassert his rule over the whole world, and he's starting with Israel. So Jesus comes and he's forming a new people, starting with these fishermen, disciples, And Jesus is in the temple, but he is going to be the new temple. And there is going to be this renewal of humanity as Jesus redefines this reality in his teaching, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount that we looked at some months ago. So back to the passage. What do we think of the religious leader's question in verse 23? By what authority are you doing these things? Well, surely it is good to inquire where people are coming from, especially if they're being controversial. Well, maybe not when these leaders have already seen the evidence. There is Jesus showing authority over disease by healing the lame and the blind. And they have heard his authoritative teaching in the temple. And they've seen the way the crowds react to his authority especially the children, it is so wonderful. So how could they doubt his credentials? But they are indignant. Who does this Jesus think he is? This seemingly uneducated carpenter from Nazareth, a northerner, and shockingly, he hasn't even been to university or a theological college. And they're rather unsettled because... Jesus doesn't seem to be afraid of them. And they're rather envious of him and his popularity. Because Jesus knows their hard-heartedness. They have the guardianship of the temple and Jewish national life. Yet the worship had become corrupted and the people were being led astray. So in accordance with the prophecy of Malachi, Jesus is the Lord coming to his temple as the Jewish. John was the messenger sent to prepare the way of the Lord. His ministry 
was calling people to pointing the way to Jesus. But even then, these, most of these religious leaders had shut their minds to the truth that he spoke. And Malachi says, the Lord comes as judge and purifier. He says, I will put you on trial. And this is what Jesus is doing. He doesn't answer their question. He doesn't have to. He asks them a question to probe their own assumptions. And he shows their lack of integrity because they are all about power and control. So their feeble reply, oh, we don't know, shows their duplicity because they know that Jesus, uh, John must have come from God, but they just cannot admit it. And when God does come to judge, he starts with the church because it is us who should know better. Where is the heartfelt worship? Where is the fruit? God never required empty praise and hollow worship. A humble and contrite heart is what the Lord desires. So a friend was telling me about her um, rural church with a dwindling um, congregation, and it's been temporarily closed for repairs. So she asked if members of the congregation might like to pray while, while they waited for the church to reopen. And she was so saddened to hear that nobody she spoke to saw the need or what was the point of praying. They would just wait. And yet, there's so many inspiring stories of places, and including this church, and there's probably a lot of wisdom in this room, where the churches are about to close, and then people pray, and then God honors that prayer and increases the congregation, and there is fruitful growth. And that is what God is looking for. But it's always an ongoing challenge, isn't it? I wonder when people come to our church, do they find the kingdom of God here? Do they find a warm welcome? Or is it a community that we think that we're in charge? Well, the man on that, uh, that evening, he then wrote a letter of apology to Simon the next day. So I'm wondering, did he sense a different spirit here? the kingdom of God, rather than the aggressive response he might have received elsewhere? Well, I hope so. So Jesus continues in his judgment of the religious leaders in the parable of the two sons, and this is verse 28. So Jesus uses the imagery of the vineyard, the father, and the sons, which locates this parable within Israel's foundation stories and their identity as children of God. And we could probably all relate to this one. So one son says he'll go and work in the vineyard and then he doesn't. And then the other says, no, he won't. But in the end, he does. How frustrating is that? It's sort of like children, isn't it? Do you, you know, do you think you could go and do some homework now? And uh, one says, no, I can't be bothered and then finally goes. And then the other one gets up and goes to their room immediately. And then you find, oh, they're just texting their friends. 
Or maybe someone comes to, uh, to your house to do some work, and they say they'll give you a quote, and then they never do. But that's not the point. The point is, Jesus lets us know what he's talking about in verse 32. The son who initially says no personifies those people who've turned their backs on God and his law, his covenant, and instead have gone their own way. So that's like the tax collectors, because they were seen as collaborators with the Romans and in it for the money that they corruptly took for themselves. So compare them to, to, to the other son. He made all the right noises, but he didn't obey his father. He represents the religious leaders, or just religious people, actually. Yes, yes, we maintain the order of the temple and its worship. And we're defending the Jewish religion against of the one true God against the blasphemies of the Roman Empire. And we have the authority of the Hebrew Scriptures to know what is truth and justice. And we're upholding all the regulations of the law. So they said what they thought God wanted to hear, but they did nothing about working in the vineyard, being obedient to what God has really called them to do. Because Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the world. But they had regulations whereby they would never eat with those unclean people. They wanted to keep themselves as pure as they could. And yet, Jesus exposes all this and shows the, what they're hiding, their evil desires for exploitation and self-promotion. Jesus calls them Hypocrites. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And so they've become hard-hearted and self-righteous and spiritually proud. They have closed their minds to Jesus' message and his truth. And in Jesus' eyes, they failed twice because... They did not respond to John's message of repentance to them. And again, they didn't respond when they saw the good thing, effect it had on the people they detested and despised and disbarred from faith. The very people, Jesus says, who are entering into the kingdom of God. So they completely fail to discern God's spirit at work. So the good news from this is that God is a God of patience and forgiveness. And he always has been. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 18, God says that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should live. And he says if a wicked person turns away from all their sins and does what is right and just, then that person will live and then he encourages people by saying, rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Repent and live. So God is so happy to accept the ungodly into his kingdom who repent and reset their ways and are renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So we all need to repent and believe. And we need to keep on repenting and believing. That's why it's so good to do our confession every week in our service. But what is the way of righteousness shown by John, and what is that work that needs to be done in the vineyard? Well, it is living in the kingdom of God, under God's authority, and being obedient to his rules, which are to love God and to love our neighbor, and to love your enemies, and to be good stewards in the God's world, to stand up for truth and justice and care for those in need, to work to bring God's kingdom on earth. So that is why Alpha is so helpful. God is seeking out sinners to bring them into his kingdom. So please be praying and get excited about who you can invite to the Alpha course we're running so they can hear the truth of Jesus and hopefully repent and enter into God's kingdom. Because the parable shows us that sometimes it's the most unlikely people who are attracted to Jesus. So, you know, my friends, well, obviously they're all lovely people and they're very kind and helpful. But when I mention Jesus to some of them, well, they just say, oh, they don't actually want to know. They don't want to come to Alpha. Um, why, Why would they bother? They just don't need it. And yet, we hear such encouraging stories about the local prison and people who have done wrong. They've said no to Jesus' authority, but now they're changing their minds. They're coming, entering into the God's kingdom. And I think it is an ongoing process, isn't it? Every day, we have a choice. Do we work in God's service or not? So we need to keep our focus. We need to keep on repenting. John Stott says that repentance is being sorry enough to change your behavior. So there's no point, like we tell children, that we say sorry, but then they don't mean it. So we do need a radical reorganization. We need to go back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and choose to be led by his spirit, and not drift off into judgment and hard-heartedness or the osmosis of cultural thought. From Galatians, we're told, let us not become conceited, arrogant, provoking, and envying one another, which is sort of like becoming like those religious people in the passage, thinking we're in charge. So as we approach communion, let us pray. Lord Jesus, we remember that you came to be our king. We thank you that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Help us to live as citizens of your kingdom under your reign and rule of loving you and loving others with forgiving hearts. Help us repent and believe and renew our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.